0: Psalm 80, 85, and 126 all contain a plea for restoration. A very appropriate plea for Advent. After all, we're not Menards celebrating Christmas already two weeks before Halloween. We need to hold off a bit to rest a bit, to reset a bit. Each of these psalms is a plea for restoration, but they address very different circumstances in the lives of God's people. So over the next three weeks, they'll provide us a richness of reflection as we prepare for Christmas. So each of the messages will be quite simple in form. The first part will talk a bit about the psalm and how it spoke to the people of that day. The second will be to help you see how their plea for restoration is our plea as well. And the third part will note how restoration for others is also possible when we share together in this prayer for restoration. So, part one for tonight, the setting and message. This is one of the Psalms of Asaph. I'm sure, unless this were some kind of Bible quiz, no one would have any idea uh, who Asaph is. Asaph was an individual named by David, to be in charge of the music when the new temple would be built under Solomon. In the meantime, his position was chief minister before the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. So he was well familiar with its design, this portable box containing the Ten Commandments and other artifacts of God's deliverance, with its mystical cherubim, these sort of angelic creatures on top, which were the seat for God. When God would come and be present, that is where he would sit. So he could easily write, as he did in the psalm, you who are enthroned on the cherubim. His sons were prophets. And apparently, over the years, this sort of school of Asaph ended up in the northern kingdom. Remember, after Solomon, the two kingdoms split? And in the view of the Bible, the northern kingdom was pretty bad pretty much all of the time. The psalm seemingly comes from the last days of the northern kingdom. It was destroyed in 721 by the Assyrians, those were the really bad boys in the Old Testament. They didn't carry anyone off. They just killed everyone. It's a lament. A cry and a complaint. One of the things I love about laments in the Psalms is that it gives us permission to cry and complain too not to each other, but to God, and tell God how we really feel. And you get a sense for it. How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. The enemy is approaching. The end is at hand. And they are deeply afraid. Twice in the seven verses, they call for restoration. Restore us, O God, they pray in verse 3. Restore us, O God of hosts, of hosts, of armies. They know who's coming. That we might be saved, they say. I looked at that phrase, restore us. It has as its root, its root the idea of turning. Turning. Turn us back to you, in effect, is what they're praying. But what's really fascinating is the form can also be translated, turn back to us. And one of the things I've discovered over the years is that when the text is a little ambiguous, it could mean this, it could mean that, it probably means both. Is a cry that God would turn them back to him And that God would turn back to them. Come and save us, they were pleading. And three times in the same seven verses, the word shine comes up. That God would shine forth. Let your face shine. Let your face shine on us. They felt abandoned by God. Their crisis was truly great. And in their desperation, they were seeking that restoration that would come if God's face would just shine on them once more. Sadly, it did not. The northern kingdom was destroyed in its entirety. The ten tribes... Gone. But this poem was preserved. It came to be part of the Book of Psalms because it has inspired faithful people across the centuries. Their plea for restoration is our plea, too. Now we're moving into part two. Yes, we plea for restoration. Now, We don't face the imminent destruction that the Northern Kingdom did, but there's plenty in life that distances us from God or by which we distance ourselves from God. The harsh environment in which we live these days, the way we treat one another, the busyness of everything, the unexpected and even life-changing matters that do occur in life, And then in the midst of all the busyness, the neglect on our part of that which nourishes. Of prayer, of scripture reading, of gathering. Distance from God, felt by those northerners, is a real problem for us too. So our plea is no different from that of the poet of the North. Restore us, O God. Restore us, O God of hosts, that we might be saved. Literally, turn us back to you. Turn back to us. Come and save us. And of course, that language of shining Shine forth, O God. Let your face shine. Let your face shine. That has a particular resonance for us as we approach December 21st, doesn't it? The darkest day of the year, light-wise. But that darkness can creep into our lives, too. But unlike those northern Israelites lamenting as the end approached, our plea occurs at a very different time because Advent is followed by Christmas, God coming to us. Christmas is followed by Epiphany, the light shining in the darkness. All for which this psalm yearns is provided for us In Jesus, for not only does God come to us, not only does the light of God shine upon us, but those very powers that threaten us most have been defeated when Jesus came forth from the tomb. The light of this season becomes even brighter at Easter. God's face indeed shines upon us. And in the end, we will behold God face to face. And we can experience that warmth each time we re engage with what truly matters this season. When we are present to hear the story of Jesus and to join in the carols that in this season are some. Part three. But we have a second opportunity to play a role in the restoration of others. After all, there are many in our circles who feel that life feeds them tears for food and has given them tears to drink without measure. Many we know are scorn of their neighbors and experience laughter at their expense. Many face challenges that disrupt and damage life. And here is where you come in. Even as Jesus encourages us to see his face in those that we might help, the least of these, those in need will see Christ in you when you come alongside them. You can be the one through whom God brings about restoration. You can be the one through whom the face of God shines upon them. Permit a story. Jackie, that's not a real name, was one of my best students. I taught at Concordia for 28 years. There are certain, and some of you are teachers, there are certain students that come along once every every 10 or 20 years. Know what I'm talking about? She was one of those. Brilliant, caring, exceedingly hardworking. She ended up working for me in my office and traveled with me twice to the Holy Land. She was a DCE. And when she left campus to go to her first position, I was planning to come about a month later for her installation. But as typically happens, and I see a couple of DCE types out there nodding their heads. What typically happens is when a new DCE arrives at a congregation, the pastor goes on vacation, right? Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. The pastor and the other DCE both went on vacation at the same time, so she was there all by herself. I got a text in the middle of the morning. Will you call me right now? And we spoke on the phone. I called her, of course. She was on her way to the hospital. A family in the congregation had just given birth, and the child was in serious trouble. She said, I've never made a visit like this. What do I do? And I told her, just go there and stay with them. Just stay with them. Because you will be the presence of Christ in their crisis. Well, when I did come for the installation, about a month later, this guy comes running up to me and says, "I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you." Well, it was the father, and he had to talk about Jackie and what a vision of Christ she was for them in their crisis. Just be there, and restoration can happen. Just be there, and the light of Christ can shine. And there's a bonus. If you're feeling a bit distant from God, that's the very best time to come close to someone who's struggling. To be the hand of God who takes their hand. Because not only will they be restored, not only will God's light shine on them, God's light will shine on you also. One of the best ways to reach out to God for restoration is to be the presence of God for someone who needs it right now. This is our Advent prayer. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we might be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.